0: From Dapper Devil Productions, this is BYOB News. I'm your host, Chris Barlow. And last week was another busy week in Washington, D.C. But today, we're going to check in with the suburbs, specifically Arlington County, which is getting ready to officially sign off on Amazon's HQ2. We'll get all the details in a drinking game. But first, we'll find out why a president Warren might mean big trouble for big tech and my guest this week will fill us in on one of the juiciest imposter stories since Anna Delvey all that and more right after we check in with the latest headlines in the booze room stay with us With BYOB News in New York, I'm Chris Barlow. It's Monday, March 11th, and these are the top stories. Boeing stock is down over 10% in early trading after the tragic loss of an Ethiopian Airlines flight over the weekend. China, Ethiopia, and Indonesia have all issued immediate groundings for all Boeing 737 MAX 8 aircraft. That's the same model that was also in question in last year's Lion Air crash. The MAX 8 features a new autopilot feature that malfunctioned in that Indonesian disaster, though several experts have cautioned against jumping to conclusions, since the pilots of the Ethiopian air flight were likely aware of the Lion Air flight and therefore would have known how to manually override the autopilot in such a situation. So basically, the best-case scenario is that this plane only has one fatal design flaw— Uh, but experts are saying it's more likely that the plane is riddled with them. Hmm. Turning now to news that only seems lighter by comparison, Brexit. There are less than 20 days remaining before the United Kingdom officially leaves the European Union, and everyone involved has finally reached a consensus and agrees that the UK will depart on March 29th in an orderly fashion, a chaotic nightmare, or not at all. On Tuesday, members of Parliament will vote on the deal they've already voted against, and Prime Minister Theresa May is feeling so confident of defeat that she's already scheduled follow-up votes for Wednesday and Thursday. On Wednesday, Parliament will vote on the so-called no-deal Brexit, where Great Britain rejects Howie Mandel's final offer and opts to open briefcase number 7 instead. Most economists agree that a no-deal Brexit would be an economic disaster. So on Thursday, Parliament will also vote on whether to ask the EU for an extension while they plan a second referendum or do not plan a second referendum and, I guess, just wait until they ask for another extension. Checking in with the race for president... Joe Biden and Beto O'Rourke are making moves towards officially entering the race. But the big news last week was the stunning announcement that there are multiple Democrats not running for president. These include former Attorney General Eric Holder, Ohio's Sherrod Brown, Colorado's Clint Jessup, Oregon's Jeff Merkley, and I bet you don't know which one of those names I just made up. (laughs) Well, for more on these headlines, stay tuned for the lightning round and subscribe to the BYOB News letter at byobnews.wtf. But for now, that's all the news in the booze room. Back to you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. We're here this week with my guest, Kate Fisher, welcome back to a podcast. Kate, it's great to see you. Good to see you. Uh, I can't wait to talk about the story you brought this week. This is something I actually read uh, about a month ago in The New Yorker, and it is fascinating. Uh, But first, I need to know, what did you bring to drink?
1: Oh, I brought Soulstruck.
0: Soulstruck.
1: (laughs) It's a Grenache Blanc, and I'm just going to tell you that the label says, Savor the past, live in the present.
0: Hold on, could, could you just say that again, but with a little more... feeling?
1: Savor the past. Live in the present.
0: Wow, I really feel that right now. I, I, it kind of reminds me of, like... Uh, make America great again, but, but oh, no. it feels like a nice, more Pinteresty version, you know, like, like secretly the woman who has like a little piece of wall art that says savor the past, but live in the present. She voted for Trump.
1: She did. And it's really sad, but we can forget about that by striking our souls, I guess.
0: Let, let us strike our souls and our glasses as we take a quick sip. Mm. mm. Uh, this is cold and refreshing, <laughs> but not too sweet which is great because I ate a cookie before you got here.
1: Pairs well with a cookie.
0: Well, well, I was worried if it was a sweeter wine, it would be all like washed out by the cookie. But instead, this is a nice aperitif post-cookie.
1: I feel like it's a really good day drinking wine.
0: Yes, and, and we are day drinking because how else could we deal with this week's news? Absolutely. I mean, Paul Manafort is only going away for 47 months. And I feel like, I feel like I have already suffered through 47 months of this. So where is my justice? Where?
1: It's... It's sort of one of those things, and actually it kind of relates to the story I brought.
0: Tell Be- me about it.
1: So it's basically white men getting away with things, is
0: the, is the broader context. Wow. That is kind of, I just want to say, right answer, that's the theme of, I guess, All America these days. We finally figured out the theme. It's like we've been studying for like a a middle school lit lit paper. And and finally, we're like, I finally figured out the theme of America. It's that white people get things.
1: I mean, it's a trickle down theme.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: So anyway, Dan Mallory. And you're right. This story first appeared in The New Yorker in the February 11th issue. So
0: great issue. Loved Feb 11.
1: And it is a month old. But the fact that I'm still thinking about it almost every day. We have
0: been talking (laughs) about this for a month. So it it is haunting us.
1: It's haunting us. So Dan Mallory, uh, who is more broadly known as AJ Finn, the author of The Woman in the Window, which was one of last year's bestsellers. I didn't personally read it. It's one of those girl on the train. Yeah,
0: I have a policy against reading like uh, female pr- uh, pronoun on the vehicle or, or in the <laughs> yeah. noun. It's female basically... pronoun,
1: preposition, yeah, object. R- object. That
0: is, <laughs> that, I don't read that genre personally.
1: Well, interestingly, and, and this'll, it becomes like kind of more fascinating. He chose to write under a pseudonym, AJ Finn, which you couldn't figure out the gender of because most people who write these, Gone Girl, Girl on the Train, uh, female with the f- scapel i don't know <laughs> they they're women he so let's backtrack he okay. basically was a novelist was an editor at william morrow and gaslit hundreds of people and hundreds of organizations lied about having a, a doctorate from oxford as well as a doctorate in clinical psychology
0: Um, (laughs) I like, I like the level of lie there. I'm not just going to tell you I went to Oxford or that I studied clinical psychology. I'm going to tell you I have doctorates in that, which there are only like a few of those a year at most. It doesn't seem hard to figure out who got them.
1: Exactly. And I think that's part of the backlash, especially in the publishing industry, which is that because he's white, because he's male, he got away with it.
0: I wonder if perhaps that's true. I think it is.
1: Yeah, and I think part of it is that it's so interesting because in in the expose, Parker keeps describing Mallory through others. Charming, handsome. He's really good-looking.
0: Yeah, and and many times in the article, he interviews somebody and, and essentially has to reveal... All of the lies that they've been told by this person that they they assumed they knew and trusted. And and the evidence is incontrovertible. He lied about things as extreme as having cancer and having surgeries that never happened. And and there is no way to be like, oh, well, I, I see his side of the story on that one. So these people are, are kind of caught there just, just going, I thought I knew a man. Uh, and the number of times that happened is fascinating.
1: It interestingly happened more with his professors and people who were in a position of power where he could gain something from them by endearing himself to them. Yes, there's that very early on in the article, uh, Parker recalls a conversation with an editor, and she says something like, "I knew I would get this call one day. I didn't know if it would be you or the FBI." Oh yeah, and and other people <laughs> say the dog. The dog, he calls in sick to work, doesn't show up for a meeting, and then is basically, like, on a phone call for the meeting, and the whole time he's saying, down, stay, to an imaginary a dog.
0: dog. yes. So
1: some of the lies are that, you know, basic. Not,
0: no, well, like, a lie that, is that, a lie, um, but... Unnecessary. Yes. No one, no one needed him to prove that the dog was there. It, either they believed there was a dog or they never believed there was a dog. But either way, the show of talking to the invisible dog, that didn't convince anyone. So what is the percent personality that thinks, ah, that's what I'm going to do?
1: So I think part of my fascination with the whole Dan Mallory thing is that at the end of the day, he's brilliant. It seems like he does have a talent for writing. Again, I didn't read that book. It's not my genre.
0: But at the very least, we could say, He is a pretty brilliant storyteller because he has not just written bestsellers, but has convinced hundreds of people of things that are flat out false.
1: Yes. The problem now, though, is that one, he's attributing a lot of these lies, particularly the lie that he had cancer, that his mother had cancer, that his brother died, to the fact that he has bipolar 2. Yes. And that's not what happens when you have bipolar too. Correct. So he's actually, you know, in a way, perpetuating a false stigma of certain mental health issues.
0: Yeah. And he's using that as a shield uh, that, again, you wouldn't be able to get away with if you weren't basically a cisgendered white male.
1: And the, the final piece that's so interesting is this woman he works with, Sophie Hanna, and she writes Agatha Christie novels.
0: Yeah, she's the inheritor of the Agatha Christie name, essentially. She gets to be Agatha Christie now.
1: And it seems like he she stole this story of double identity, especially with the brother, for one of her Agatha Christie books. Yeah. And it's it's just Yeah, this, well, it's you know, actually
0: when I Almost forgot about that part of the story because he t- the uh, Ian Parker from the New Yorker, mm-hmm. one of my favorites at the New Yorker, oh, who's, you know, not named Ronan. Uh, he, he talks to Sophie Hannah and, and basically asks her straight up, like, did you base this character on Dan Mallory? And if so, like, does that mean you were aware of all of his deceptions? And her answer is basically neither yes nor no. She just kind of leaves it hanging uh, in a non-denial denial kind of way.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's the part of it that makes me think this is part of a bigger plot. Because people might have been talking about A.J. Finn before this story. I didn't know the name Dan Mallory, did you? I
0: didn't, know. And
1: now I think about him every day. Yeah. <laughs> like, what it's is freaky. that? It's
0: freaky. It's freaky. It's a little he's weird. He's gotten into our heads. He
1: has. And now I'm, and, and he's this, I think we can objectively say he's not a good guy. hmm And yet... We're thinking about him. And part of me, like one train of thought was, is he okay? Is he going to, if he is mentally ill, even if it's not bipolar too, if it's something else, is this going to totally cause him to self-destruct? And at one point, can you still have compassion for a monster? It is, it's a lot, but it's also in the grand scheme of things. It's, it's stories like this one, which yes, it's, it's representative of a larger issue in publishing and other industries, where women and people of color ha- would never be able to do this because they're not white, cisgendered men.
0: Uh, I now will be even more haunted by him. I'll essentially see him on the subway. Uh, if you, listener, want to be haunted by the conspiracy of Dan Mallory, who who is just genuinely a fascinating, creepy, scary individual, you should read Ian Parker's expose on him. It is titled A Suspense Novelist's Trail of Deceptions from the February 11th issue of the New Yorker. Of course, there will be a link in the BYOB newsletter this week. You can always subscribe at byobnews.wtf. And this is a major WTF story, so I really feel good about that domain name, byobnews.wtf. WTF.
1: Just paid for itself.
0: I really did right now. <laughs> um, and I love that you brought up conspiracies. Uh, and not to jumble our carefully laid outline for the episode, but one of the things distracting me this week is a new NPR podcast called Through Line, uh, from Ramtin Arablouei and uh, some other great NPR folks. And uh, it is this week focused on conspiracy theories in American history. And I found this episode super fascinating so I'm going to plug it Early and use it as a segue to our second drink this week, because it's time for me to talk about my drink and my link, and that is an NPR Wine Club exclusive. I Ooh. broke out the Invinobilia, Invinobilia, in honor of Invisibilia, which is a really good podcast that I just found out is back for a new season. Uh, and while they do not sponsor this show, I did just donate to my local public radio station, so I'm feeling generous. So thank you, Invisibilia, for giving us this Invenobilia. I'm looking forward to trying it, uh, and I'm currently pouring it and vamping for time. How am I doing at that, Kate?
1: You're doing great, and I was just going to say, I think it's appropriate to thank NPR whenever the opportunity presents itself.
0: Especially when you're drinking. And we are (laughs) drinking a red wine from California, Invenobilia. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Oh. I, I'm going to be honest. I told Kate before yeah, the episode I was... <laughs> that I didn't like this wine, which is why I hadn't opened it in a while. I, I, this is a new bottle, but I had more than one. Uh, it's better than I remember, and it's, uh, it's going well with this white. I actually feel like these will pair nicely together, not that there is such a thing as pairing a red and a white together, unless you're it's here on BYOB <laughs> News, where we could just make a rosé right now. We could Ooh, just... <gasps> Oh, I'm sorry, we don't have time. Mm. We should focus. And there are plenty of good NPR podcasts about science, so you could just listen to those instead. (laughs) I want to talk about my second link and uh it's the first link i'm bringing you i want to talk about my link this week which is actually a collection of links so follow me through on this because it was a really interesting week for news about big tech Mm. uh it began in essence with facebook and mark zuckerberg announcing facebook's grand pivot to privacy That's about as well as I imagine that's going to go. He says they're going to kind of refocus on private exchanges. They're talking about end-to-end encryption for Facebook Messenger, which is currently an option, but not one most people use. Uh, That is uh, an option on WhatsApp, which they own. And in theory, Facebook has already told us they want to unite these platforms, these messaging platforms, WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger. And and, Instagram. And Instagram Messenger. And, And they're trying to now convince us that they're going to do this in a way that is encrypted and secure, instead of in a way that merges all of your data from these three different services, which I guess have already been merged, so too late. But... This whole thing, he kind of framed around a metaphor. Uh, the current metaphor for Facebook he likes to use is like the town square. Facebook is the town square. I'm
1: really sorry your listeners can't see my eye roll. I, it,
0: it, was, it was epic. <laughs> I, I have to say it ro- rolled so far back, whew, it blew me away. But the town square metaphor is not his new metaphor. It's now his old dusty metaphor. He's into the living room. He wants to give you a living room on Facebook. I don't
1: want Mark Zuckerberg in my living room. It is truly like the
0: last thing I want is to live on Facebook. You could not have chosen the, I I guess bedroom or bathroom might've been more invasive, but I gotta be honest, (laughs) living room just feels like, Oh no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his idea there is that you'll have more ephemeral exchanges, like stories or self-deleting messages with limited audiences. And so he gave this announcement in a blog post. Um, and and the tech media for one night was like, "Oh, a transformation of Facebook. The newsfeed will end. Everything will change." And literally the next day, Facebook was like, "Oh no, no, the newsfeed's not ending. We're not getting rid of any of the public functions." Uh, We're just also gonna tell you about these other functions that so far they're describing things we already have. We have groups, we have stories, so what is the pivot except to just emphasize the slightly less creepy public features that still give Facebook the data? At the end of the day, Facebook doesn't care if we're posting publicly or privately because we're posting and giving them information. So Zuckerberg's pitch is essentially a more secure, more private Facebook that we know is basically bogus. But that got overshadowed almost immediately by big tech story number two, which was all care of... 2020 candidate Elizabeth Warren. And we're not going to go deep into the 2020 stuff yet. I have a future episode planned on that. But Elizabeth Warren uh, did a medium post, which is apparently the (laughs) hot new thing now. Bezos is doing medium posts. E. Warren is doing medium posts. This one wasn't even a free medium post. This was one of the starred medium posts that you can only read like four of every month unless you want to pay for medium prime. And, And I gotta say, I was like, Elizabeth Warren, Doing the paywall on your Medium Seems post? really
1: off-brand. Kind
0: of off-brand, but okay. I guess she figured every news site would just report on it anyway, which they did. So don't worry, you don't need to read anything on Medium. In fact, I'm going to read you some of the highlights, because basically, Elizabeth Warren proposed the most radical change to how the U.S. tech industry is managed ever. If she's elected president, she wants to do two things huge things. And she used Facebook, Google, and Amazon as her big examples. And these are the trifecta, essentially, though she mentioned her can her campaign mentioned afterwards, there are more companies that would be affected. But uh, let's look at how these changes would affect the big three. Uh, Big change number one is declaring them platform utilities. And I'm gonna say that again, platform utilities. Uh, what that means is, like, they're a utility, like the electric company or a road. They need to provide uh, equal access to everybody on it. And, and the way she wants to define this is pretty specific. She wants to say companies with an annual global revenue of $25 billion or more that offer some kind of marketplace or area for exchange. What might that be? Well, Amazon is a marketplace, Google has an exchange where you buy and sell ads. Those are the kinds of things we're talking about. And what Elizabeth Warren wants to say is if you operate one of these platform utilities, you cannot also sell your shit on that platform utility. You cannot be both the uh, customer and the client
1: so Amazon can't sell Alexa, Kindle,
0: Amazon Fire. Basics products. If you okay. look around this room right now, I there could I could not begin to count the number of Amazon Basics products. My Elizabeth towels, Warren is going to come sheets. into your room and She's take all your stuff. She's going to strip all this She's stuff out. I will it. be naked on the street. But that is a big change and it's also something that would be a big deal for fa- uh, Google where they basically operate an ad exchange where they also Advertise themselves. They are their own client in many ways. What she's basically saying is if you operate this kind of marketplace, you cannot be a vendor because you can give yourself preferential terms if you're a vendor in your own marketplace. That's big change number one. It would affect everything from search to Amazon to something Facebook does. But there's another big change. Big change number two would be an unwinding of big tech mergers. And this gets really specific, but also really recognizable. She basically wants to turn back the clock on the last decade of mergers. She wants to take Instagram and WhatsApp out of Facebook and make them independent again. She wants to take Zappos out of Amazon and make it independent again. She wants to take Waze out of Google. Remember, Google owns Waze. Google owns Nest, the home automation company. Google owns DoubleClick, which if you don't recognize as a brand name, that's because they bought them like 20 years ago, DoubleClick is the Google Ad Exchange. She's basically saying, you can't do that anymore. It should be its own company again. Why? Her argument is competition. Uh, I think the easiest place to see this is Facebook's uh, uh, with WhatsApp and Instagram. I think many users would agree that Facebook owning Instagram in particular has created a pretty concentrated social networking effect, that there really is only two social networks now. There's Twitter and there's Facebook-owned properties. Uh, and in fact, Facebook has seen a decline in North American users uh, and and daily active users at the expense of growth on Instagram. People are leaving Facebook to go to Instagram. And Elizabeth Warren's argument is real competition between them would make that a good thing. But if they're both owned by the same people, it's not a net benefit. It, in fact, means that Facebook still has all your data that they can monetize and they can do whatever they want with.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I guess what I'm, I am perceive is a big... And maybe I'm wrong. I, I think there's a big difference between... These companies that are primarily in social media like Facebook, like Twitter, like Instagram, like WhatsApp and Google and Amazon, they're they're different functions. And I don't know if you can apply one to the other, because even though they are all tech companies, their functions are primarily or their primary functions Seem different. Seem to different. Me.
0: I would agree. Uh, on the surface, they feel really different. I think Elizabeth Warren's argument, or at least as she outlines it in her Medium post, is that nearly half of all e-commerce goes through Amazon, and more than seventy percent of all internet traffic go through sites owned by Facebook and Google. So she's looking at the size of their footprints, and she's saying those are equal in the tech space. Uh, Also not mentioned directly there is the fact that Amazon's biggest profit maker is actually their internet hosting services, Amazon Web Services. Uh, There was an amazing series in Motherboard by uh, a reporter named Kashmir Hill who uh, went through an experiment where she blocked big tech companies from her life one by one uh, for a week at a time. Not just like, I'm not going to use it, but like she set up filters that shut those parts of the internet down. And the one that was the most catastrophic for her ability to use the internet was Amazon. Without Amazon Web Services, literally no video streaming service she used would work. Netflix, which competes with Amazon Prime, is hosted on Amazon Web Services, didn't work for her. Hulu, all the big ones. She had a kid who couldn't watch any of her videos that week, and it was a nightmare. So think about just, at least I'm speaking on the Elizabeth Warren side here, think about how massive that uh, control is for these big companies. Those are the three examples she uses, but there are others. Think about how competition is stifled by that amount of control. And that's her argument for treating them like utilities uh, and perhaps unwinding some of these mergers, which seems uh, like a pretty intense ask, to be honest. I think legally how, how that happens is very difficult. But... That's her pitch. And that is a big differentiator from almost any other presidential candidate I've heard of.
1: I absolutely. And it it seems, I mean, the logical part of my brain is like, well, if that's her pitch, maybe it's so extreme. And it is extreme. It is. Because... Then she'll be happy with the negotiated actuality.
0: That could be. This could be the kind of opening offer. And certainly we're early in campaign time. So the fact that she's doing this is something to get attention to juice up her campaign. The way she announced this wasn't just on Medium. It was also live in person in Long Island City, Queens.
1: Oh, where Amazon was supposed to go.
0: That was on her mind when she spoke there. And she brought it up. And so she is clearly leaning into what she's talking about here. And she's seizing a story that is in the news right now to her benefit, That's I would smart. say. It's smart, smart politics at the very least. I don't know if I agree least.
1: with this overhaul i don't know if it's... Oh, well i gotta say yeah. as
0: somebody there are other tech companies that could be impacted by this and and the extent to those impacts do feel like they would be extreme and they would potentially destabilize the value of certain companies certain stocks and i might actually have a vested interest in some of those so i as a voter look at that and go i'm intrigued i like this debate but the details are gonna be a big deal here
1: I I think it sounds like she's coming from the right place, and I think her points that are sort of supporting this move or this proposal are valid, but I think this is the kind of thing that needs to be approached really slowly and with baby steps. I don't think this kind of thing can be accomplished with one law or one bill. I think it needs to be part of a larger conversation in order to not result in collapse
0: and i have a feeling she knows that because she does have a background in economics she so does. i would be curious to have a drink with her hey liz liz wanna come on the podcast i mean it's a very <laughs> professional organization here and i've seen your drink on instagram so come on join us on byob news but until she joins us on the podcast i have you to mean, say I, I would just know. love to to talk about the details with her and find out how do we make sure this doesn't crash the economy To put it simply.
1: Exactly. But I think that it's, a, in a way, a very smart political move as we are just starting to think about 2020.
0: Oh, yes. But before we think about 2020, I want to think a little more about our good friends at Amazon. I know we love them so much. (laughs) And, you know, uh, Liz Warren, she gave her big speech in Long Island City. But you might remember that there is another site for HQ2. HQ2 is still happening in Arlington County, Virginia. And so for this week's drinking game, I'm going to ask you questions about the $23 million contract between Amazon and Arlington County that is going to be voted on by the county board on March 16th. And the details, they're pretty interesting. So are you ready to play the drinking game that this week I am calling Brace for Bezos? ready. All right. Question number one. Amazon's contract with Arlington County requires them to do which of the following? A. Provide a living wage for construction workers in what is commonly referred to as a project labor agreement. B. Ensure that at least 20% of their new hires are Arlington County residents. C. Contribute to the county's affordable housing trust fund or d none of the above
1: Ooh, i thought d was going to be all of the above and i, then know, I was right? going to say Flip. that one um i want to say b i'm so uh. sorry
0: it's d none of the above what? amazon is not being required to do any of those things
1: oh they're going to fuck arlington over
0: yeah they're Why am I, surprised? I know right i really <laughs> thought you'd get that one to be honest uh you have to drink thank you and you know the the kicker here is their targets, the, the things that they have to do in order to earn their incentives, are simply the square feet of office space that they will occupy. That's what they pegged it to.
1: I'm sorry, what? I <laughs> like, know. Wait, what? I just want to go,
0: God, that was the wrong answer, Arlington County. Yeah. Wrong I feel, answer. I
1: like want to hug Arlington County and tell them oh, it's going right. to be no. okay, honey.
0: Hey, but, but there are some people there who think it will be okay, because question two, Defenders of the Amazon deal point to the expected increase in hotel tax revenue, thanks to additional travel and tourism once HQ2 opens. More people, more business, more people staying in hotels, more revenue. Okay, okay. Which of the following statements about that are true? One of these is true. A. This revenue alone could fund all of the public schools in Arlington County through 2030. B. These taxes will directly benefit small independent businesses. Or, C, Amazon will directly receive 15% of any hotel tax increase. C. Of course, <laughs> of course, Amazon gets to skim a little yeah. off the top. That is literally in the contract. Oh my God. I know, I have to drink on that one. Sorry. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and that means I'm ready for our third and final question here. All right. How long have we known about these details, these details I just outlined, in Amazon's agreement with Arlington? A. Since Amazon originally announced the winners of the HQ2 search last year. B. Since the deal in Long Island City collapsed about a month ago. Or C. We only just found out last week because someone leaked the details to the Washington Post.
1: Uh, given that your podcast is super recent, see? (laughs) That would (laughs) be correct. You got it (laughs) on that
0: one. I will have to drink again. Which is
1: just really terrible, honestly. (laughs) I love
0: how all these stories come through the Washington Post, and I love the Washington Post, but every time the Washington Post gets an exclusive on Amazon, I think, okay, but did Jeff just drive by and leave an envelope that said, like, for, for Dave, you know? Come, what?
1: come a long way since the days of Deep Throat. Uh,
0: now it's just <laughs> Deep is, is Balls? Deep I don't know, oh, wow. I'm, uh, I'm not even, that was so sad. I'm gonna yeah. just blow myself up on that one and yeah. say thank you for playing this drinking game, which this time we were calling Race for Bezos. Mm-hmm. And that's the music that tells me it's time for a word from our sponsors. We will be back in just a minute with the lightning round here on BYOB News. And we're back on BYOB News, just in time for the lightning round with explosions. Because everyone has a lightning round, but here on BYOB News, we are the only lightning round with explosions. So here's how this works, Kate. We each have a list of stories from the past week's news, give or take. And we are going to run back and forth through them, offering quick takes, hot takes, takes. And you can pass on a topic, but if you pass, you will get blown up and you will have to drink how does that sound sounds great excellent as always you are the guest you go first tell me what am i giving you a hot take on
1: finding neverland
0: finding never oh the (laughs) michael jackson thing i was like Finding Neverland. Wasn't that a charming movie about J.M. Barry? <laughs> oh, right. Uh, the Michael Jackson thing. I am deeply disturbed by it and did not watch it, full disclosure, but instead listened to a podcast that described it and, and spoke to many of the people involved with it. So I felt like I was getting the effect, but in a way where I didn't have to look at the faces of people who were molested, which maybe I should confront that. Maybe we all should confront that. But right now, right now, that just felt like a bit much because I love to listen to Michael Jackson and I don't know Know how i feel about that and the simpsons is banning blacklisting the episode he was in and does that mean next we're gonna have his music pulled from the streaming services and is that a good thing is that a bad thing it stresses me out and i just want to blow myself up so i'm going to do it
1: <laughs> that's all fair so i haven't watched it yet but one of the most interesting news stories i saw about it was that michael jackson fans are sort of revolting and protesting and like they It was compared to an almost religious organization in their support of him, despite these sort of irrefutable allegations. I think I spoke too long. I guess I'll drink too.
0: I have to blow you up for that, but that's okay. Uh, that was a big story this week. Another big story this week that makes me very sad, so I want your take on it. Alex Trebek.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Did you watch the video where he reveals that he has this stage four pancreatic cancer? I did. I have to say, what killed me the most about it is he made a great joke about his Jeopardy! contract in it. And it made me kind of go, oh, Alex, we can't lose you. He is too good for the world. That is what I'm trying to say.
1: No, I agree. I think there are certain (sighs) public figures like him. um, RBG also comes to mind where they're just sort of universally, or almost universally adored. I think Trebek probably, I'm sure- Probably more
0: could, so. I have to say, yeah. I know, I feel like I have many extended family, relatives yeah. who adore Alex Trebek and probably don't feel the same way about RBG, but that's no, for but another day.
1: Especially, but like these older people yes. who have transcended and, and people who, generation who, let's, lines. Let's
0: be real, he's been with us. Uh, I no, don't yeah. remember no. no Alex Trebek. Like literally my life, there, there are a few constants in my life and they're essentially- pat sajak vanna white and alex trebek those are the constants in my life as a 30 something millennial so what else is there if we lose trebek that's so sad i'm just gonna blow this up up. oh my god okay your turn what am i doing
1: Mm. sorry um wait oh no
0: (laughs) oh man i'm gonna just blow you up for that (laughs) that's fair
1: oh so it's sort of like a throwback to last week but a new development in the Michael Cohen stuff
0: where Talk he's to
1: me. um he's suing Trump and saying he was denied 1.9 million dollars
0: uh all I have to say is I love every new development in Michael Cohen's life. I can't tell if he's gaslighting us all with his story of redemption and betrayal, but I love his story of redemption and betrayal where he's like, I was just hoodwinked by the charm of this man. And I'm like, the charm of who? Whose charm are we talking about? But again, we all, not I'm sorry, not we all, a a majority of the electoral college was hoodwinked by the charm of this man. So in a way, Michael Cohen's story of redemption might be our story of redemption, but he is someone who can't be trusted. So I don't trust our story of redemption. We're probably all screwed.
1: Well, what did we say the theme was today? White White men men can get away with everything. everything. Gaslighting,
0: (laughs) getting, oh, I'm sorry. I have to blow us up for that. We were trying to finish each other's sandwiches and it just didn't work. <laughs> more... okay, well,
1: we'll finish each other's wine.
0: And we'll finish each other's lightning round. I have another one for you. Sherrod Brown is out of the race for president. Do you know who or what a Sherrod Brown is?
1: Vaguely? Fill me in. Yeah, I have to- That's it. That's yeah, all that's, you
0: need to yeah. say. I think we know why Sherrod Brown is not running for president. Uh, you I got mean, a... Should
1: I have known? You know, have <laughs> <you've,
0: laughs> you got another one for me?
1: Yes. There, did you hear about the video game thing?
0: The video game? Yeah, game?
1: yeah apparently there's... Um, You play video games. Like I play game? some yeah. video games. So there's Steam, which is a gaming platform. I'm aware of the Steam. They apparently had a game coming out called Rape Day.
0: Wow. And
1: it was basically... You can figure out what it is. You get to pretend you are raping people. Wow. And they announced, I think this, like, I saw this I'm today. sorry, but
0: it, it, you can already do that in Grand Theft Auto. I've played Grand Theft Auto. Did we need to make a game that removes the illusion that there's another plot to the game? Like, like, Grand Theft Auto did a great job of being a game that should have just been titled Sociopath Kills and Rapes Anyone They Want. But instead, they called it Grand Theft Auto, which was a great marketing move. Why can't we keep it like that?
1: Well, I don't know. But also, apparently, after a wave of social media backlash, they're not going to distribute the game. And I'm like, why did social media backlash have to happen for you to not publish a game called fucking Rape Day? (gasps) I mean, uh, yeah, can can you blow us up? Thank you.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Uh, that went on way too long, and we deserve to be blown up, because there you go. That was the lightning round with explosions. Only on BYOB News. I don't know why no one else does a lightning round with explosions. Your it's just trendsetter. me. you Thank you very much. Give it a
1: year. Everyone will be- ex-
0: Everyone will be blowing things up. Hopefully not literally, because that would be a really dark time to live through. Uh, and speaking of dark times to live through that might involve acts of terrorism, more Brexit deadlines coming up. And if you stay tuned to BYOB News next week, we will get caught up on Brexit. Yet again, it is my favorite thing to get caught up on, so we will keep getting caught on brexit but for now let's put all that aside and talk about what's distracting us this week i already told you i'm being distracted by through line a new podcast from npr whose wine we are still drinking and um i'm using this really relaxed voice because the episode of through line is about conspiracy theories that really aren't that relaxing to think about but it felt good because it it took me out of this decade and and to a different decade, and that's about as much as I can ask for these days. How about you, Kate? What what's distracting you this week? <laughs>
1: Similar but different vis a vis like projecting back to a different time. Um, I've been you, you
0: could say uh, savoring the past.
1: Yes. Well, I'm yeah, savoring, savoring the past, the past and, and, living, and in the living in the present. Unfortunately, living in the present as yes. struck. Uh, it's true. So I'm doing a lot of knitting while rewatching sitcoms. From yesteryear. And by yesteryear, oh. I mean like mid to late 90s, early 2000s. The one I'm currently watching is The IT Crowd. Oh.
0: Which is a British one, which is yeah. great. And
1: I've watched it like two times before. But what's upsetting when I'm doing these rewatches, oh, I'm hey, the not wine, not The wine. Uh, <laughs> remember, this is a wine podcast. You're in living a in a the present. I'm living it's in the fine. present. It's fine. Uh, listen,
0: if you're sober and listening to this at this point... I'm sorry. Sorry, so sorry. But also you you're pretty informed actually. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulate yourself with a drink.
1: Uh so one of the things that doesn't hold up even with with shows that we kind of think of as woke like Gilmore Girls. Oh, uh-huh. Which I also recently re- rewatched. There's a lot of stuff that does not hold up in 2019 and and the first season of the IT Crowd I think was like 2007. Two thousand six, two thousand four. I don't know. It's really recent, and just some of the misogynistic, sexist things. Yeah. There's a whole like subplot to the extent that that show has any plot about sexual harassment in the workplace and giving the woman five hundred pounds to settle it, or <laughs> and then uh, the men when... get five hundred fifty, and it's it's just really interesting to go back and watch these shows. So I I try to to watch them as a means of distracting myself. And then I'm just like, oh, this doesn't hold up.
0: Oh, that hurts. You know, I've been distracting myself by finally finishing The Good Wife. <gasps> I've been I've been trying to finish it for years. You can read much about my saga to finish it if you subscribe to the newsletter. I'll include the links, uh, but but I'm almost there. I'm in like the second to last oh, I'm season. I'm really excited. And the second to last season catches us up to like 2014. Yes. And there is an episode that is like straight up ripped from the headlines Ferguson it's like Ferguson yeah. in Chicago yeah. and they reference Ferguson a bunch and I was like oh this is no longer distracting and and freeing now you're just caught up to our current horror and reminding me that it's been going on since 2014 oh god
1: yeah we're. I mean have it's been to... going on since yeah,
0: 1776 no. and earlier but I, I should be clear <laughs> about that yeah. but but it's been revealed to us Oh Jesus, that's a really load, bleak yeah, paper. Oh God, I'm gonna. I, I when I say I'm gonna edit this part out, the truth is I'm not because this is how bleak it gets. On BYOB news, hey. That just felt like a really charming way to say thank you for joining me this oh, week, thank you Kate. For having we me. might have depressed the audience, but we have elevated their level of knowledge and expertise as they head out into the week.
1: Yes, I I think, and honestly, I mean, maybe it's just my own narcissism, but, you know, if you got depressed listening to this, it's because you weren't drinking, and really the title of the podcast says you should.
0: I have to say, bring any beverage you want, whatever makes you feel good, because this podcast, at the end of the day, tell your friends, is about feeling good As we can talk about the news. Um, That wasn't a grammatically correct sentence, but that's because we've been double fisting for an hour. We have. Again, this podcast, Tell Your Friends, is about being able to talk about the news without feeling bad. That's what this podcast is about. And you can find it every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave me a review. And as always, subscribe to the newsletter at byobnews.wtf. That's byobnews.com. WTF. Kate Fisher, as always, it's great to see you. Thank you for telling me about a creepy sociopath. It was fun. BYOB News is a Dapper Devil production. This episode was written, directed, produced, and edited by Chris Barlow. Hey! that's me. You can find out more about the articles and stories we discussed by subscribing to the BYOB newsletter at byobnews.xyz. That's byobnews.xyz. Until then, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to leave us a review so everyone knows the only way to get your news is BYOB News.